We're talking about relationships, uh, particularly when conflict comes up, because inevitably it will. Now, some of you might have quite a bit of experience where you and that other person were able to reconcile, and there's sort of peace in the relationship, which is great. However, we're going to talk about the other option that, that tends to be a little tricky. What do you do when the other person isn't working towards reconciliation? Because I think we would all agree that it takes two willing people working together to work towards reconciliation and to make peace happen. Uh, maybe that's your situation right now. It's you and that other person. And right now, they are not participating. Uh, they're not helping out. They're not doing their part. Now, the good news that we've said in this series is that you can have peace about that relationship even if there isn't peace in that relationship. And this would go as extreme as sort of that abusive relationship, that you can find yourself in that situation, and maybe through counseling and connection with God, you can have peace about the relationship, even if there's never peace or complete reconciliation in that relationship. You might say, like, we can't go back to the way things were. We can't work together anymore. But I have peace about that relationship. I've come to terms with it. I've reconciled it. And the challenge comes in sort of the normal conflict, the non-abusive situations, where I feel like I could go further towards reconciliation, or, or there's still more of the pie that I need to own, that I understood the assignment, that I need to keep going. But when I take that long walk of empathy towards the other person, they seem to move further away. And in those situations, the questions become, well, how long does it depend on me? Uh, how long do I need to continue to extend myself? How long do I need to continue to show grace and show mercy and forgive and try to reconcile and go and have a conversation when every time I reach out, my hand gets bit? Uh, basically, I feel like I'm dealing with someone who is not engaged or interested in reconciliation or making peace. When does my continued extension of assistance become irresponsible? When is it just a waste of my time and actually a bad idea for me to continue to be made to feel like I'm a doormat? because he just continues to make awful decisions, or she just continues to say hurtful things. At what point do I say enough is enough? This is irresponsible on my part. And we're continuing this series about connecting with people because through the pandemic, many of us haven't been exercising the muscles that help us connect with people. So in this series, we're sharing some exercises that can help us connect with people as we see more people in person and more often. In part one of the series, we looked at an interesting story with David, Nabal, and Abigail about payback. So commitment number one is, I will pay back good for evil. And then in part two, we talked about the conflict and, and sort of being empathetic. So commitment number two is, I will take the long walk to the other person for peace. And then last week, we looked at Jesus' instructions about how to be reconciled if we've been wronged or if we've wronged someone. So commitment number three, I will take the first step to go to the other person. To, to clear a path for peace for us and for me and with God. We said that renovations and reconciliation are, are sort of similar in that reconciliations always cost more than you think. Uh, reconciliation always takes longer than you think. And the tools that you currently have are not the tools that you need to finish the task. And today we're talking about one of those tools that you might not have yet, boundaries. Uh, boundaries can be especially necessary and challenging when we're talking about a relationship with a toxic person who continues to make unhealthy and destructive decisions. Uh, someone who you would say, uh, they're just dangerous. Uh, they're not healthy and because of that, there's collateral damage for me and the people around us. Now this might sound harsh, but the Bible refers to these people as fools. And that sounds harsh, especially when that describes someone 
we love. Uh, maybe a sibling, a parent, a child, someone in the family, or maybe a close friend. And you would say, we're having a hard time reconciling because he is making foolish decisions or she's acting like a fool. That foolish people continually behave in a way that hurts themselves or others. Do you know someone like that? Are you trying to reconcile with someone who's a fool? And they're a toxic person and their toxicity is causing collateral damage in your own life. And a fool is someone who does not take ownership for their side. They refuse to take responsibility for what is his or hers to own. That foolish people don't change their own behavior to meet reality. Instead, they want reality to, around them to change to accommodate for the way they want to live. So what do you do? Well, Solomon, the guy who wrote a lot of the wisdom literature and poetry in the scriptures, he said it this way, in both a profound and a disgusting way. He said this in Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. And that's kind of a disturbing sight, especially for the dog owners who kiss their dogs in the mouth. Uh, anyway, uh, Solomon says that fools continue to do the same thing over and over again, even if it's hurtful to other people or to themselves. They'll continue to make the same terrible choices, hurtful decisions. They'll have that awful, erratic, irresponsible behavior that will hurt you if you continue to extend yourself to them. So when do you say enough is enough? At what point do you establish a boundary? And that's the term that we're going to use to talk about that line that we all need to draw, especially in those relationships where you can't choose but to be in some sort of relationship with this person. Uh, maybe this is a person that you'll see at Thanksgiving in a couple weeks or maybe at Christmas in less than two months. If this was anyone else, you would have ended the relationship. But either way, at what point is it necessary to sort of designate a boundary? Because when a fool's irresponsibility is creating collateral damage in their life and your life, you need to create a boundary. When someone is toxic and their irresponsibility is hurting you or themselves, you need to create a boundary. When a fool is putting you in harm's way, you need to create a boundary. And boundaries are simply the line that establishes what depends on me because there is something that depends on me and what depends on this person. Uh, boundaries sort of separate what you are responsible for and what the other person is responsible for. And for many relationships, boundaries are the only way we can have peace in the relationship. Uh, there's actually a book called Boundaries written by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. And I want to give you a few principles and thoughts from Paul that those authors apply to establishing boundaries and how we know what it is that depends on me and what it is that depends on you. We're going to start reading in Galatians chapter 6. You can follow along in the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, head to bible.com app. Once you're in the app, head to the more menu option in the bottom right corner, select events, and you can find our church. We'll also have the notes and verses on the screen as well. Galatians is a letter that Paul wrote to Jesus followers in this province of Galatia in the Roman Empire almost 2,000 years ago. Here's what he says in Galatians 6, 2. Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you're not a Jesus follower or you don't consider yourself a Christian, this is optional for you. But if you call yourself a Christian, this is the assignment. This is something that Jesus asked us to do, and now Paul is passing it on to us. Paul is saying, yeah, you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself, which means at times we carry each other's burdens. Now, it's important to understand what a burden is. A burden is anything that is too big for one person to carry alone. That we are responsible to share any burden that has become too big 
for someone else. We are responsible to each other for that burden that has become too big to bear alone. And then Paul's going to sort of give us the posture that we should have as you think through sharing this person's burden. Verse 3, if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Have you ever caught yourself thinking you're too important to help someone? It's likely that we all do this from time to time. And this is partially because of the egocentric culture that we live in and that we contribute to. And if your life and my life is sort of a play, you and I usually play the lead role that our lives revolve around us many times. But Paul is saying that's foolish. And I think Paul says this because when someone else has a burden that pops up in their life, our temptation is to look at them and think, I would never get myself into that situation. Now, there are two dangerous parts of that. Number one, that's not a great perspective to have to help someone from. Uh, No one really wants to be helped by someone who thinks that and feels that they are beneath them. Number two, you're not immune to the very burden that has popped up in their life. And Paul says, you are acting like a fool if you think that. And even if that wasn't true, or that was true, you are not that important to not help someone. So let me push a little bit more. Have you ever caught yourself thinking that you're too important to give your time to help someone? Because in this area with so much wealth, it can be so easy to give our money so much more than our time. But you know this, many people don't just need your money. Many times they need your time to help them learn how to use the money or to use it more effectively or more efficiently. And then Paul introduces us to this idea of personal responsibility. Pay careful attention to your own work. That our temptation is to sort of pick up a magnifying glass or binoculars and to see everything wrong in their life. But Paul says, pick up a mirror and look at your own work. Examine your own life. Because I should not ask you to help me carry something that I'm not carrying. And you shouldn't do that either. Pay careful attention to your own work. And then something good will happen, Paul says. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. And this is the satisfaction that you feel when you graduate from college or from high school or you finish the race. You get the certificate or you get the award. Like, doesn't it feel good to carry what you're supposed to carry? That God has wired us to feel satisfaction when we carry what is ours to carry. But then Paul says something that seems a little bit tricky and almost contradictory to what he said earlier. Verse 5, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Another translation, the NIV says it this way, for each one should carry their own load. Now, Paul, a few verses ago, said share each other's burdens, but now he's saying carry your own loads. So let's define burden and load. That burden in the Greek is sort of translated to mean excess, uh, anything huge, large, anything that, that normal life would not bring about. So like Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend tell us in their book, a uh, burden is like a boulder, that, that I shouldn't carry it alone. I can't lift a burden alone. Uh, a burden is something that you are not meant to carry by yourself. Uh, maybe a burden looks like someone got sick in your family or in, in, in the, maybe someone's lost their job due to the pandemic. Uh, maybe someone left, a, a spouse, a parent, a friend. Maybe someone had a house fire or their house flooded. Those are just some examples of burdens that we're not meant to carry alone. Share each other's burdens. And then Paul says in verse 5, for each one should carry their own load. Now again, Paul's not contradicting what he said earlier because he uses a different word. He uses the word load. And this word load in the Greek is where we get our English word portion. And that is your portion to carry. And one example of your load would would be your attitude, that no one's responsible for your attitude but you. No one can change your attitude but you. 
Now, this might sound like something that you've said to your kids or to your nieces or nephews, but also no one can change our behavior but us, right? That there are responsibilities that God has entrusted to you and no one can carry those but you. That, that is your load. So if a burden is a boulder, then a load is like a backpack. Uh, it's the backpack that you've been given to carry in life. And so what's in your backpack? Well, there are a lot of things in your backpack. Uh, there are only things that you can carry. Your, your attitude again, your responsibilities, your housing, your expenses, putting food on the table. Others should not do those things for most of us. These are things that you and I are supposed to carry. And I shouldn't ask you to carry my load, and you shouldn't ask me to carry your load. That, that's your load. And then there's a boundary that needs to exist between what is mine to carry and the boulder and burden that sort of popped up in my life or in your life that we need to help you carry. That we are responsible to help carry each other's burdens and for carrying our own load. And if you have a relationship where you're carrying your own load and now this other person is also asking you to carry their load, that's not likely to end well. And that's not going to make things better. It will likely make things worse. You might say, well, why? Well, when we carry our load, we experience the outcomes of our decisions. When we feel responsible for carrying one another's load, we rob them of experiencing the outcomes of their decisions. And when I try to hand my load to you, I miss out on what it feels like to carry my load. And when you carry your own load, it feels good. Like, do you remember the first time that you sort of moved out of your parents' home and, and you paid your first rent or your first utility bill or you bought your car? That there are positive things that happen inside of me when I carry my own load. It, it's really the outcomes of my decisions. And vice versa, when you don't carry your load, what happens to you? you know, well, you could get evicted, you might not have electricity, but that's what happens when you don't carry your load. And in many of our relationships, it's important to draw a line between what depends on me and what depends on you. And this, is, this line is sort of obviously important for any of us who work with kids or live with kids. That when kids are younger, less should depend on them, right? And as kids get older, more should depend on them if you want them to grow up to be healthy. But each kid is different at different stages. And just like each person is different, it can be so hard to determine what should depend on them and conversely, what should depend on us. That beyond kids, but including kids, one set of dials to look at are the happiness and responsibility dials. That is this person happy and irresponsible? If the person or kid is happy and irresponsible, then you probably need to turn up the responsibility dial because happy and irresponsible is a dangerous and an unhealthy combination. That you're not helping someone by carrying their load. You might be trying to help them, you might be trying to reconcile with them, but you're not helping them by carrying their load. And the really hard part is to help people we love by letting them experience the consequences from not carrying their load. And sometimes this doesn't feel like the Christian thing to do. Uh, shouldn't we just continue to show mercy and continue to show grace and continue to forgive? Well, yes, we should. However, at times, unconditional love necessitates conditional help. And one reason is because none of us have unlimited ability to help. But maybe the most challenging part of this for those of you who have a lot of ability to help, that this can be really challenging because you can offer a lot of help. However, if you don't have any money or you don't have much resources, this is not that hard. Like you say, well, I love you and I would love to help you. I'd love to be able to help you, but I can't. And that's just like the end of the discussion, right? But if you have the ability to help, it's really hard because sometimes it doesn't feel loving to conditionally help someone. That I'm gonna establish a boundary, sort of identify what is mine to carry, and that is yours to carry. And if you don't carry that load, I hate it, 
but you're going to experience the consequences of not carrying your load. Uh, maybe someone has said something like, well, you call yourself a Christian. How could you do that? Like, we're family. Are you serious? And in those relationship moments, really like all relationship moments, we need to reflect our Heavenly Father, who never gives up on relationships with us. And yet, there's a point at which God will not do for us what is ours to do. That He shared the burden of our sin for us, and He, and he carried our boulder that we couldn't carry. But He also, we also have a load to carry as well. That He will forgive us for hurting someone else, but our load is to go to the other person and ask for forgiveness. That he won't do that for us. And you ever thought about why he won't? Because obviously he could. He's God, right? However, the same reason your Heavenly Father won't carry your load for you is the same reason you shouldn't carry other people's loads. That when we experience the outcomes and consequences of our actions, we're more likely to learn from them. That when you have to do the embarrassing thing of asking for someone else's forgiveness, you don't want to have to do that again, so hopefully that enters your thinking the next time you're tempted to hurt someone. So we always hold out hope for the other person and for that relationship, but we also establish and communicate the boundary of what is their load to carry so that they will experience the outcome and the consequences of their decisions. And this includes the positive things as well, right? Like, we can't continue to do good things for people either because then they aren't experiencing the positive consequences in their lives. So, a few keys for boundaries. Number one, distinguishing between a boulder and a backpack is incredibly important. Oh, that's a boulder, so, so I'm going to help you carry that. Oh, that is your backpack, so that's a load that you should carry, and I won't carry that for you, but how can I help you carry that? And if you don't know which it is, this is where following Jesus can be helpful. We can ask him. He can help us to see these situations in ways that we can't on our own. Number two, boundaries can have time limits. So for the next six months, here's what you need to do. And then depending on the person and the situation, you can sort of reevaluate what happens after that. That situations and people change. And so to do whatever depends on you may mean keeping the future open. That a boundary is not necessarily permanent. It's not a wall. A boundary is a fence with a gate and a handle. Number three, boundaries are for the other person and for you. That you both need boundaries to protect each other. And then key number four, boundaries are a team sport. That making boundaries as an individual can be quite challenging. And this again can be where small groups or life groups can be so helpful through the wisdom and experience and the counsel of the other people in the group. And for some of you, you might need to go see a counselor or a therapist to help you see objectively what is healthy and what is unhealthy. What is a boulder and what is a backpack. Which can be very hard to see and determine when you've been in a relationship for a really long or a really intense time. And if this can sort of quickly speak to some of the stigma around seeking counseling, I too have sought counseling during challenging seasons, and some of the healthiest pastors I know have done the same thing as well. So, commitment number four. I will help people by sharing their boulders, not carrying their backpacks. As we wrap up today, uh, connecting with people can really be the most emotional part of us as people, uh, especially for those people that we're closest to and the boundaries that come with those people. And the thing with each of these messages in this series is that they are action-oriented. If you don't do anything with these messages, then they won't be helpful. That if I don't do anything with this, then I have wasted my time as well. That God wants you to connect with people, and He also wants us to have peace with people. But peace won't be found passively. You have to actively pursue peace. 
that we have to be people who go, who take steps towards peace, especially with people different than us or those we're in conflict with. So in a moment, I'm going to pray that God would give you opportunities to exercise your connecting with people muscles. And I pray that you will pay back good for evil. I pray that you will take the long walk of empathy to the other person. I pray that you'll take the first step to go to the other person, regardless of if you have wronged them or they've wronged you. I pray that you will help others by establishing boundaries, by sharing their boulders, their burdens that they shouldn't carry alone, and allow them to carry their own backpacks, their loads that they can carry. I pray that you'll do this by connecting with people again, but also that you will reflect the love of your Heavenly Father for each of those people. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Paul. Thank you for his uh, wisdom on this about boundaries. Lord, would you help us to know and have opportunities to exercise our connecting with people muscles? Would you help us to know the difference between the boulders that we need to help other people with and the loads or the backpacks that, that are really someone else's to carry? Would you please give us wisdom and would you give us courage to actually do this? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we sort of get ready to connect with people, I want to speak a few verses over you from a letter that Paul wrote to the Roman Jesus followers. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.